And let's, let's listen in. Let's eavesdrop on Jesus and see what he had to say. New Living Translation. No one can serve two masters. Watch. Somebody probably right here, certainly by way of live stream, is thinking, I can. I got this. I have figured out a loophole. Check it out. No, you ain't. Terry Knight, the pastor here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust as always that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're going to continue on with the series we began a couple of weeks ago. This is a different installment of that, in, uh, that series, and we're dealing with the issue of worldviews or the filters that people choose to look through in terms of how they view spiritual things. Now, let me ask you this. Have you made some preparations for your spiritual battles and the way that you wage war against the enemy of your soul, the devil. We're going to be talking about that in uh, some various and sundry ways here and there. For this particular time, as we said again, we're going to look at some uh, different world views. And we're going to hone in on one. Now, hold on to your seat. We're going to hone in on one that's really kind of haunting the church today. And it's the anti-church sentiment. Now, I am not anti-church. I'm very pro-church, and I'll tell you why. I haven't been able to figure out how to do church without church. Sounds interesting, doesn't it? So there's some challenges here, and I trust we'll help you with that because many of you may be wrestling with this very thing. We hear such things, or little catchphrases that we hear on occasion that sound something like this. Well, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe I'm going to heaven when I die but I don't believe in organized religion. I'm not even sure what people mean by that or if they even know what they mean by that. But I want to draw your attention back to the Bible, the Word of God, and help you to understand in a balanced way where the church fits into all of this because it's definitely a huge component, a huge piece of the puzzle. Our text pass passage for this series is taken out of Joshua chapter 23. We're going to be reading some other verses along the way, and right now is no exception. I want to take you with me to Luke chapter 16 and verse number 13. And let me tell you, before I forget it, uh, we're kind of coming in way deep into this message, trying to leave out some of the background from part one. And we're going right on to the meat of the matter. Luke chapter 16, verse 13, the record puts it this way. No one can serve two masters. No one. Four, you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money says the New Living Translation. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity that I have to come before every member of this audience. And I pray that by your word and the power of the Spirit, you would speak to each heart. And we'll thank you. We'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. 
and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. Translation says it this way, and I want you to catch this. So prepare your minds. Again, you prepare your mind. Right here, are you with me? You prepare your minds for what? For action and to exercise self-control. Sadly, way too many persons take this posture. What I'm about to tell you. They actually choose, mostly by default, to put off spiritual decisions. Let me do that again. Most people, you live streamers, wake up, listen up. Most people, mostly by default, put off spiritual decisions. How many of you know I'm telling the truth? It is. I'm not going to deal with that heaven-hell thing today. I'm going to put it off. I'm going to do my own thing for a while. God's patient. He'll wait. He'll be there when I need Him. Hmm. So in effect, these ones, according to number two on your study notes, which come from the inspired pen of Pastor Terry, they end up on spiritual cruise control. Can you picture that with me? And they sort of set themselves up to be victimized by the enemy. Do you know anyone like that? They're on spiritual cruise control. Just kind of cruising along. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. Yeah, buddy. I know just like that spare tire in the trunk of my car, if I ever need him, he'll be there. Just cruising right along. You set yourself up to be victimized. Spiritual cruise control. And this is another rotten illustration. But it's like owing a utility company. Do any of you owe the, owe the utility company? Say amen. Right? Yeah. It's like owing the utility company and choosing to ignore it. Oh, the light bill. Well, we'll get that next month. Until all of a sudden you realize the interest accrues and eventually they shut off your power. They shut off your water. They shut off your, God forbid, your Wi-Fi. That's when they get most of our attention. What happened? How could this happen? Listen, beloved, if one isn't purposefully preparing their mind for spiritual action, everybody say action. If you aren't preparing your mind for spiritual action, then the default is spiritual inaction which quickly manifests as lukewarmness. How many of you know the Word of God has something to say about that? And that allows for Satan to come along and take away the Word that was sown. One of the reasons, listen to me, church, this is coming from the pastor's heart. One of the reasons why I urge people to be in a setting like this over and over and over again is this very thing. There are some that actually live in such a way as they express to me, hey, I went to church once. If I need another dose, I'll go back at some point in time. This is important. Amen. Hey, let me ask you some questions. This is going to be one of those question sermons. Don't you hate it when the preacher does that? And by the way, no copying. You have to give your own answers. What decision 
have you made, whoever you are, what decision have you made with regards to preparing your mind for spiritual action? And what action are you actually putting forth in terms of expressing self-control in the spiritual realm? Hmm. I put before you in part one that there are a lot of filters, a lot of filters by which you can view the world today. Another question for you. Can you actually name the filter? Can you actually name the world view that you're looking through? Do you have a name for it? Do you even have a clue what I'm talking about? How do you look at the world? What is the filter by which you look at the world that you look through to the world? I asked you last week just to cut to the chase, which is the best filter for me? Which is the best filter? You'll have to decide this for yourself, but which is the best for me to ensure that I am looking at the world as God intends me to see it? Is that important? I think it is. I'm convinced the best filter to use for my own life is the one that was created and gifted to us by God Almighty. And I'm talking about His Son, Jesus the Christ. Well, Pastor Terry, how do I lay claim to that filter? How do I lay claim to that which God has provided to, for me through Jesus? Here it is very simply. We answered this. We fleshed this out a lot more last week. But you do that, beloved, by purposing. And that means to make an on-purpose decision to follow after Jesus. Now, when you've made an on-purpose decision to follow after Jesus, that means that you do what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 7. You've been born again, born the second time, not from your mother's womb, but a spiritual rebirth. And then you're filled with Holy Spirit. That's the will of God, even your sanctification. You've been born again, spirit-filled, following after Jesus. Now, I, and I want to be very clear about this because in today's world, considering all the filters, some think when you're you're talking about following Jesus, that Jesus is way out yonder somewhere, if you'll pardon that expression, and I'm way over here just kind of observing. Yeah, I see you, Jesus. I see you out there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a personal relationship through a born-again, spirit-filled experience. I laid the groundwork for this teaching last week by unpacking just a little bit of our text passage, trying to help you understand, and this is very important, trying to help you understand that doing things God's way, everybody say God's way, when you do things God's way, that merits God's protection and God's provision for you. Again, I think it's important for me to express to you that doing things God's way is not something that you just do to make Pastor Terry happy. Well, you know, if we don't do this, Pastor Terry's going to be ticked off. Well, that'd be a real problem, wouldn't it, if I was ticked off? Listen, I was born ticked off. So that, that's not, I'm just saying but you do these things, beloved, to merit God's protection and provision for you. This is personal. Number three on your notes. Doing things God's way quite often means this. You must turn away from the world and refuse to look at life through their filters, the way they view things. Are you with me so far? 
I want you to go with me back to our text passage. Look at Joshua chapter 23 and verse number 7. It says this, Do not associate with these, the reference is the forbidden nations around Israel. We went into some detail on that last time. Do not associate with these nations. Do not invoke, that is, appeal to or turn to the names of their gods. Somebody tell me something about gods as it appears there. It's a lowercase g. That's not the God, but a God. He says, you must not serve them or bow down to them. Now, yes, this was addressed to Israel over 2,000 years ago. But the principle is more than applicable to you in 2022. Why so? How can I make such a statement? Listen, beloved, those who are experiencing and expressing life by another filter, by another worldview, they will reflect that filter, they will reflect that worldview to you if you are within close proximity of them. Therefore, it can be, can be an overwhelming influence upon our own ideas, upon our own actions, upon our own convictions. We gave you some illustrations of that last time. I'm not going back there now. Uh, suffice it to say, consider if those around you are reflecting Satan's agenda. Now watch, a little sidelight. Some people say, well, I'm not serving the Lord. I'm just doing my own thing. It's not really bad. Listen, you're either doing God's thing or you're doing the enemy's thing. That's the truth of the matter. If those around you are reflecting Satan's agenda instead of a Holy Spirit-led life, whoo, there's a novel idea. Pastor, where'd you get that? Paul, the Holy Spirit-led life, if they're following something other than that or hanging around something other than that, being influenced by something other than that, it's going to influence them ultimately in the wrong direction. Let's follow Jesus for just a few minutes. Are you willing to do that? Let's follow him over to Luke chapter 16 and verse number 13. And let's, let's listen in. Let's eavesdrop on Jesus and see what he had to say. New Living Translation. No one can serve two masters. Watch. Somebody probably right here, certainly by way of live stream, is thinking, I can. I got this. I have figured out a loophole. Check it out. No, you ain't. No, you haven't. The Word of God says, say it with me, church, no one, no one can serve two masters. And then Jesus says this, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, look, I love the way the New Living Translation says this, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now watch this, church. He's talking about the system or the systems of this present world. You can't serve God and this world. You can't do it. Won't work. That doesn't mean you're not able to. You can give it a shot, but it won't work. That's why it's imperative that we understand verse 8 of our text. 
Joshua said to the, the Israelites of old, hold fast to the Lord your God. We too must hold fast to the Lord our God, he says, as you have until now, as we have until now. I concluded last week by asking, how do we maintain our focus? When the filters, when the world views all about us are so blemished and blurred and blinding and deceived, how do we maintain our focus? Never has it been truer, more true, that the broad road to hell is occupied by the majority. The church, it's important for you to understand the truth of this. The broad road to hell is occupied by the majority. There have always been more sinners than saints. Are you aware of that? So how does the narrow road remnant, as I'm going to call them, how do they maintain a focused outlook? How do we do that? In order to answer, I want to ask you if you would please to allow me to address some of the world views that we encounter today. And when we encounter them, then we have to deal with them. And the first one would be number four on your study notes. Phyllis said with me, the world view, the filter of the anti-church crowd, the anti-church Filter the anti church sentiment. Let me pause just a moment and give us, we might crock pot this a little bit this morning. You know, the crock pot? You know, I have a tendency to boil these sermons. Let's crock pot this thing just a little bit. Whereas my Jesus' filter influences me to look at Jesus' church. I'm not just talking about new life. I'm certainly talking about new life. But how many of you know the church is bigger than this fellowship? But my view, my filter of Jesus influences me to look at Jesus' church with this deep level sense that is almost it's very difficult for me to express what I feel and what I'm thinking, but it allows me to look at the church with awe and amazement. Do you ever get awed and amazed when you get around God's people and when they begin to sing songs to God, they're not performing, they're not doing just some kind, it's not like just sitting around the campfire singing 99 bottles of Kool-Aid on the wall or what? It's no, we're singing to God Almighty. And then the preacher begins to put forth God's word. And it's very clearly evident that this is not just some redneck from Satspahal, North Carolina, but there's an anointing available. Something's going on up in here. That, that just causes me, I'm in awe of that. Amen. By the same token, sort of, kind of, there are those in our own community, we'll just narrow it down to Ridgeway, Virginia, that look upon this God idea, and that's what the church is. They look upon this God idea with loathing and disdain. How can that be? 
Knowing what I know and knowing what it is, how in the world is it even possible that there are some people over here that look at the same thing with loathing and disdain? I would suggest to you that a slim majority, majority nonetheless, and I'm going to say a slim majority, I'm trying to be nice, but a slim majority of persons within a 20-mile radius of this here ministries center on the outskirts of Ridgeway, Virginia, they have no idea what the church truly stands for. No idea. They have no idea why we are here. They have no idea, watch this, why we are necessary and essential for every last one of them. This place is here for the loathers and the disdainers. Isn't that something? I want to go a step further. There's too many of our own attendees. that have no idea about the purpose and role of some of our most significant objectives here. Let me ask you, what do you know, you men that are looking back at me this morning, what do you know about the Bereans men's Bible study? What do you know about the care and compassion groups, the CNC groups we call them? What do you know about the Sunday morning prayer time? Those of you that were there this morning, wasn't it awesome? Can I get an amen? All eight of you. What do you know about that time? Stick with me. This is one of my famous parentheses. When I meet non-New Life persons out in the community, and you wouldn't believe how many of them I run into every week. When I meet non-New Life persons for the very first time, if I have an opportunity, I generally attempt to dig into their spiritual acumen or their spiritual awareness. It's something that I actually enjoy doing. And typically it comes out with such interrogatory inquiries, for a lack of a better way of saying it, as, are you connected with a church fellowship? My words are chosen very carefully. Now the responses are generally friendly and congenial. Notice I said generally. But at the same time, it's not unusual, look at your neighbor and say, it's not unusual. It's not unusual to get one of these, here is why I am not connected responses. Those are like totally fun. <laughs> they then proceed to tell me quite often, watch this church, about a rotten experience they endured with a church. Everybody say a church. Usually the facts point toward a conflict with 
an individual, not the church. Are you following me? Now, I'm not going to elaborate on this too much. But typically, if you can get that person, and it's a chore, trust me, I am a pro. Do not try this at home. But if you can get them to talk, you're going to find out they are at least 50% 50 of the blame for this issue. Are you with me? And I'm talking about for the rotten experience. By the way, if you can get them to admit that, admitting just that much in most cases would resolve the conflict or at least be headed in that direction. So, either to mask some guilt or some unresolved conflict, which by the way, unresolved conflict, beloved, is the harboring of unforgiveness. Doing so, they embrace this anti-church filter. Watch this. It comes out sounding like this. I now have an excuse to shun church. I now have an excuse. So by shunning the church, I am not learning about the church. By shunning the thing that God purposed, I am... Beloved, we're going to cut in right there. We'll look forward to sharing the back half of this particular segment with you next week, the Lord willing. Hey, let me ask you this, or let me say this to you. Jesus promised to build something. Jesus. Jesus promised to build the church. And he made some bold statements about that. My question to you as we uh, try to wrap things up here for this particular segment is this. Are you helping Jesus build that? which he promised to build. And that which he promised to build is the church. Are you helping in the cause, the effort? Are you putting your time, effort, energy into the building up of the church body, the body of Christ and all that entails? It's a very simple and straightforward question, isn't it? And I don't want to sound like Judge Judy, but it's either a yes or no question. Are you helping Jesus build that which he promised to build? I want to be an encouragement to you to do just exactly that, to get in on it and be a part of the solution, be a part of helping as opposed to being obstinate to or coming against the church. The primary way people come against it is by not supporting it at all. If you don't support it, if you're not standing with it according to what Jesus says, then you're opposing him. Again, let me encourage you not to be in opposition, but to say, hey, as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to promote that which God, through His Son, Jesus, purposed to promote the church. There's some huge benefits, and we're going to talk about that more as we get into the second half. I'm not going to try to go into that here in this summary uh, tonight. Let me remind you, if you are not connected with a church fellowship, a local church fellowship, uh, New Life Community Church has a regular schedule of activity Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And we also have midweek activities, Family Ministries Night, Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Something for nearly every member of the family, and that might just include you. We trust that it will. want to remind you we also have a marriage encounter coming up here in just a couple of weeks. I'm going to tell you more about that next week, the Lord willing, and give you some details about that. This is something we've been convening, we've been hosting here at New Life for over 20 years. It is a marriage uh, toolkit. Uh, that's what we put, uh, put it forth as. 
and we invite uh, married couples from all over to come in and be a part of this. It's a great weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning. Again, marriage encounter. Well, I'm Terry Knight, and pastor of New Life Community Church. I have got to get out of here. I trust you're going to have a great week, what's left of it. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you? Mm -hmm.